Welcome to the Lesbo and the Bean universe. Lesbo and the Bean. L-A-T-B. Lat-B. Where mixed martial arts and the UFC get silly. Big silly. Buckle up and move your tray tables to their upright position. And please, somebody shut that baby up. It's time for Lesbo and the Bean. Welcome back. Welcome back. Episode 150. Ricochet and Recap. We told you to watch it's this. It's not pay-per-view. a ricochet and recap. What? It's a morning after. It, why? What's the difference? Pay-per-views are the morning after. Ricochets and recaps are just when they're we're bouncing back. You learn something new every day. I know. So I, know. I will I liked them both. They both got the morning after got a huge thing from the fans, but me and you like the way the ricochet and recap work. Totally. So I decided to make everyone happy and that's kind of what it became over time. And I have started to see a couple other podcasters using the You the told me to after. only talk about stuff that concerns you and I figured you didn't care about it that much. <laughs> I should have talked to you about it. Just kidding. <laughs> Can you imagine if you were like a dictator? Only talk to me about it if it concerns me. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't but, know how he is off air <laughs> uh, definitely a diva yeah. i need only green m&ms before i yeah. get in here to podcast he has a whole list in knows. the green room <laughs> so um yeah so the morning after ufc 230 i have seen other podcasts using the title the morning after because they but stole it, it from us it tends to be male oriented where uh we got a lesbo here that can yeah. totally, <laughs> it just works in so many more different levels. The morning after pill is what we could call ours if we wanted to. I like the morning after in general. It, it, gets, it, a a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it gets a little political. Yeah. It gets a little political. But you definitely needed a plan B pill <laughs> if you watch that main event. I know we're going to get there, but somebody got their leg impregnated, and that was Derek Lewis. Now oh, I thought you were baby. talking about the size of DC's belly. <laughs> oh, <laughs> poor DC. Hell of a night of fights. We told you guys to watch. We told you guys this is going to be a fun fight night. There's money to be made. There was oh, I better not even do out. that. We'll get cut off YouTube. <laughs> right? <laughs> Ballers over here. <laughs> but uh, missed some shots, made some even better shots. Unfortunately, some of our underdogs didn't come through because before we even got to the fight card, there was a fight that ended up falling out the day before. One of the fighters that missed weight, if you follow us here at Lesbo and the Bean, you got late breaking news, reason to follow us on Twitter. Sajar Eubanks missed weight and so did Brian Boom Kelleher mm-hmm. by about a pound. Sajar Eubanks a pound point two. But even after that, Brian Kelleher ended up not taking the fight the day of the fight Saturday due to potential food poisoning. We know that there was issues potentially with him missing weight, which is uncommon for Brian Kelleher at this point in his career. But it might make sense why he had a hard time making weight if he had... I totally agree. If he was already compromised. The interesting thing about the food poisoning that I hear a lot of fighters get sick and or food poisoning during these few days that they were going to fight... I think it's an attribute of stress and also um, weakened immune system from cutting the weight. So they're more susceptible. So usually you could fight off that mini food sickness. But let's say you get a little bit of a bad mayonnaise on your sandwich and you you don't have anything in your body to fight it off. So it overtakes you immediately. A lot of these guys get flus. 
the week of. You know what else I think it is? Um, Food poisoning, but maybe not so much. Food poisoning, not the way we're thinking of it, where it's badly cooked food. But sometimes when you withstand from things for so long, and a lot of these fighters do their whole fight camp, and they're especially during the last couple, why they're cutting and getting down to weight, that once they make weight, they overindulge. And if you overindulge in something that your body hasn't had in a while, you get the dumps. <laughs> you get the dumps. The truth. The truth. All of a sudden, you're making weight with a two-pound <laughs> yeah, despair. Damn, he's like, I would have made the weight. <laughs> interesting thing, though, with Brian Kelleher, he told a very interesting story a long time ago with Hawani about how he was due to go out to Brazil to fight and dropped off of the fight card. The, on the flight, then the very next month went to do it again and actually got on, went out there and won the fight. But uh, does that have to do with Brian Kel- Kelleher's mentality? Was he also having a pan attack as much as he was having a little bit of food poisoning via his own stories? I would say it's a possibility out there. He could be in his own head. He was ready to take a fight on the plane and decided, I can't fly, guys, and stayed home. Hmm. He could be like a Rose Nama Yunus, where it's yep. like every, like, oh, He's deep. black hat walks, walks across your path, sign. Brian Gallagher is deep. You hear some of those riffs he gets on Twitter. He sings all those deep R&B songs. <laughs> the Curse of the Bambino kind of shit. Where exactly. Who knows? I believe in energy, so whatever you want to put, if, I believe in it. So... If you believe in energy and you believe in that B, we told you Sarge Eubanks might not make weight. And who was 100% on? Told you guys, this lady is undisciplined. I was hoping that that undisciplinedness was going to come into the fight. And it did a bit. Unfortunately, we'll get there when we break that fight down. But spot on the call with that weight. Yeah, and so you know what I was thinking about for her? Would she do better at the 135 division Um, anyway? She is a shit brick house. She's solid for a woman. Don't you think if she didn't have to cut the additional weight, maybe, and the 135, for all, it's getting to be a weaker division. Except for the champ herself, the rest of the division is, eh. If Holly Holm isn't in there anymore. For Sarge, what doesn't make sense is how much shit she was talking about falling out that Shevchenko fight. Oh, she did not need that. You missed weight for your championship bout where you could have been the champ. And then your fight back, you talk a bunch of shit about not getting about, and you would have missed weight for the championship out as well, girl. Like that would have, yeah, you wouldn't have been able to fight for the belt. Exactly, and you would have screwed the pay per view over that much more. Dana White that much more confirmed. Like, good thing I didn't put Sarge in the main and event. Shevchenko because would have been like, um, I, I knew believe it. you get there. I knew it. I knew it. Yes, I knew it. I, knew it. I told you she does not. Everybody's a mess with yeah. Shevchenko. <laughs> Every time. They come apart at the seams. Even the champ herself came apart at the seams that she needed an additional time to get there. And yep. I like how Cyborg's like, yeah, you're cyanitis. You have you have pull out. Oh, we didn't talk about that presser. And we didn't talk about Cyborg. Valentina Shevchenko have been training together the last few weeks. We've been seeing unreal training sessions. If you follow us on Twitter at Lesbo and the Bean, it's been our header. Is then for a while. Yeah, I want to put our little logo between it, but it just doesn't need it. Yeah, sometimes perfection is perfection. <laughs> so, uh, Valentina getting some amazing training in there. Cyanitis coming and through. And Shevchenko getting some amazing training in there as well. Yeah, that's what definitely. They're definitely. both. I think both ladies complement um, each other. They both are. Specialty. They're both their specialties are in opposite things. 
And I, Shevchenko's been working out with Rose, and Rose is more, like, she's wrestling heavy, right? No, she's more of that kickboxer. She's a Taekwondo artist. Really oh. good range. She's good on the ground. She's a crafty little spider on the ground, but she definitely likes to strike. But I, uh, Chris is very BJJ heavy. Oh, yeah. Um, and then strike, oh my gosh. I really like the way that they're going. I love the whole Muay Thai sisters mentality and traveling the world and being the traveling samurai. And she's doing it better than most. But back to the presser. The John Jones and Chris Cyborg and uh, Gustafsson. Gustafsson presser. We, did we chat about that at we all? We did not there? chat about that. That ended up happening between hand. Oh, yeah, of course it did. Sorry and about sniffling in the if microphone. you guys haven't seen the gifts running around there, John Jones back in it with Gustafsson too. Who's going to stand in front of who? Who's going to be the bigger dog? Who's going to win the little battle? And uh, we got a little bit of fireworks. I don't know whether to be excited about this or not because you burned me once. Shame on you. <laughs> burn me twice. You ain't going to burn me twice. And Bert John Jones burned me like 25 times. Oh, I know. So I don't want, I like, I love the hype, but at the same time, I'm like, when we get there, I'm going to get excited. Until there, you, you ain't going to get my hopes up. You ain't gonna burn me twice. I'll tell you one thing. I like that somebody in the audience said, stay away from dick pills. And he was like, I will. Uh, yep, I will. Me too. The other thing, just off the bat, right from the start, John Jones. From Lesbo to John Jones. Eye to eye. Please do not shave that mustache off again. You are not attractive without it, my friend. You are not as good looking. He drops at least three points on the, you know, if they rate wow. somebody from one to ten. Yeah. Piece of advice. Facial hair on John Jones. He is a ten. He is a Nike athlete, champion of the world with that on. Without it, hoodlum that runs over pregnant ladies does he have a weak upper lip what is the what's the soft what, what i think why? he might Diagnosis. have too much upper lip oh it's like dsls yeah it's like weird it's a weird range i don't can you imagine what eddie murphy would look like without his mustache what didn't he in shrek that's what he looks like without his mustache <laughs> <laughs> The donkey with the big old teeth. <laughs> I love Eddie Murphy. I'm joking. No, but you can't even imagine it. That's kind of how I feel about with John Jones. Or maybe like maybe some of our audience out there. You know when you if your dad had a mustache your whole life and then like when he was thirteen he the shaved bean. his mustache. When he My was dad. when he was like when I was nineteen, all of a sudden it's like whoa. Who the fuck what is that is guy? That on? He shaved it once as we were children, and I remember my youngest brother cried for like two days. <laughs> I couldn't recognize him. And is your mom like, he looks younger? Yeah, 100%. I think he looks it's younger. so much better. I can kiss him, and it doesn't hurt. And that's probably like how they looked when they met or whatever. Like, I don't know. I like, I preferred my father when he had a mustache. So, um. <laughs> all the good advice here on Movember. Oh, it is Movember, yeah. It is. I'm not going to stick to that, even though I'm scraggling the scruff. Well, I got a day job. We'll see. Okay. So far, you I'm a part of the club. You should talk your boss into Movember, and then you're allowed to keep it. Oh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I don't got that good John Jones facial hair. I got that trashy ass. And he has great facial hair. Indigenous people hair. His, John Jones's facial hair? No. He looked good. No. You know those stereotype Speedy Gonzalez mustaches? That's what I got. Where it's three little wispy hairs that are just three lines. 
The Homer Simpson hairdo, that's my face. John, are, who do you have, Chris Cyborg <laughs> or Amanda? <laughs> Come on. I think I'm not Come putting on. negative energy to it. Cyborg, easy. I mean, it's a fun fight. Probably the best fight that Cyborg's ever had, honestly, Toughest. in there. Toughest. Um, I don't know. I think Holly can beat Amanda. I was going to say, Holly would be the only other person in there, and she went five with Holly and was never in any danger. So I'm going to give that to Cyborg. But it's a fun one. I, I'm excited for it. Most of the time, it's a blowout. One of the few times. You think times. Cyborg handles Amanda on the ground? I, I think the line should be Cyborg minus 145. Close, close. Yep. And Amanda with the extra 10 pounds. Yep. She should be a near even if not slight underdog. But three, four to one, not Cyborg, not this fight. That, those odds are off. I agree. I But the odds have been off. And you know what I'm else I'm starting to notice? A lot of other casts and stuff are saying, here's what the, we think, you know, here's what the actual odds are. Here's what they, we think they should be. Totally. Like I'm starting to notice people talk about what their odds would be. And I wonder how many, who are these odds makers? Who are these people? Nick Kalikas, I believe, is one of them. He has a podcast, Premium Odd Betting. I wonder how many. I think he sets them for like five dimes, and then there's a couple other guys. That's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of things to know about, to just come in. You got to know your It's shit. their day job, though. And hey, we won't, We hope and we try and We're giving you positive line setups here. We understand how Nick it works. Nick Galifianakis. Exactly. You hear that? You can pay me. <laughs> Sport bet or whatever they are, bet DSI. You can pay me to set your odds all day. <laughs> I think by by far, by leaps and bounds, if the 125 champion, if the soon-to-be 125 champion mm-hmm. could uh, get to where it is a split decision with you and some people think she won that fight, the 145 champion's going to give you problems. It's a lot. It's a lot to put on yourself, Amanda Nunes. And... ATT having a little downfall these days. Oh, yeah. Having a little downfall these days. There are no Jackson Wink. <laughs> Interesting. I would actually say Jackson Wink is probably had a little lower output, a little lower turn of events. I, they have more losing fighters, even though they're still top quality. And there's not I a think, fight card that doesn't have ATT or Jackson Wink fighters in it. There's not a fight card. But if you look at when I, since I jumped on the train, yeah, they've been on a winning streak. Because, you know, I've been a hater of Jackson Wink for years. When you jump on. <laughs> like a just like, even, yeah, just like, a little bit ago. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I know. They've been winning. I'm just saying. I And okay. maybe because they had a downfall. I they like had this parting of the more. ways with... Cowboy, Venato was a part of that group as well, going over to the Cowboy camp, which I did not get enough info of Venato before that, for the breakdown, unfortunately, but... Yeah, speaking of the breakdown... The re-breakdown, the The morning after... morning after... We had the Lima come in against Siwi Adam Wizurik in a third round decision, and... Did uh, you see how they said his name? Vezrek. Vezrek. It was like the Vezrek. weirdest name I ever, I couldn't even Seaweed say it. himself ended up coming in short notice and it really showed that the takedown defense isn't there for Seaweed. The cardio isn't there. The striking isn't. The striking defense is just not there. The Bean here called it, said, hey, Delima can keep this striking. I was worried about the ground. And there was plenty of times where DeLima could have backed off, kept kicking that leg, and that would have been a TKO finish in the second or third round. 
So Fight IQ is still over Lima. I'm going to probably bet against Lima in a lot of other fights. But same with Siwi. I haven't liked what I've seen for him for a long time. What did what was the total outcome about this fight for uh, you? Something looked wrong with Siwi. I'm very interested to find out what happened. Like if he broke something or um, in the first round. He because, got his leg kicked off. Yeah, and I wonder if he broke. Like yeah. something was from, something happened like in, to him. It wasn't just his, yes, the leg kicks killed him and all that too. Um, everyone kept saying I felt like it was biased announcing a lot that mm-hmm. we'll talk about throughout the night. Uh-huh. Uh, that it would have been a better card to watch with your sound off to really get an unbiased opinion of what was going on. Because whatever the announcers decided to notice was the only thing that you could pay attention to. Right. And they're like, oh, why isn't Lima doing this? Why isn't Lima doing that? Because he has garbage cardio too. Yes. That's why. Yes, that's why I'm betting like... against him after this point. <laughs> yeah, they were. it was like, ugh. I did bad not think it was a IQ, great fight. Bad cardio. Seaweed wasn't checking any of those kicks as well, but that's to his low fight IQ, or low strike IQ. Yeah. And that's where he does it on the ground, but... He was so uh, exhausted by the time they got to the ground. He couldn't throw up submissions. Um, again, fade both. It, fading the, both. The good thing point. was to get the worst fight of the night out of the way. That was the good part of this fight being done, in my opinion. Was this worst fight of the night? I thought so. It's a contender. Yeah, I would agree. Still exciting, though, because it still was one of those cringe, stomach hurt type of showings where you're like oh my god kick the legs when he kicked the cross yeah, both front thighs the worst fight ever. <laughs> it was just the worst fight, fight of the night. night good point good point so definitely moving forward be hesitant on either one of those guys then we went on to the 145ers where shane burgos against kurt hollabaugh we said this is a fight of the night contender and for the short time that they stuck in the pocket in there for two minutes hollabaugh looked good as shit Hollaball was throwing pistons down the middle. Burgos countering well. Burgos getting hurt with the right hand. Catching a submission immediately afterwards. Armbar. First time Hollaball's ever been submitted. You can't say he didn't try. And I actually, even with Hollaball being on his second or third loss in a row now, I think he should stick around because he can beat other guys. I guarantee it if he looks like the way he did in there against Burgo in those two minutes. That was a firefight. Fight of the round of the year contenders in my eyes. Where if he doesn't stay, he'll wherever he goes, he'll put on exciting fights. He'll and be have back a in lot the UFC. Of fights to win. I believe it was an exciting enough fight that if I'm managing him, I sign him and I just get a little bit of leverage with the loss and signing his contract. Um, totally. I thought it was an awesome. Yeah, he put in a good showing. It was just that like one oh one shit, and you could tell how frustrated he was afterwards. Oh yeah, he was so pissed and. He had every right to be. Was this the one with him and his dad, where his dad was in his corner? Oh, I can't remember. I cannot remember that off the top of my head. But yeah, either way, no, it might have been for Vol. Was it for Vola? It might have been for Vola. You, I believe you're right on that. I believe it was for Vola. So, Burgos going forward, he's gonna end up being very highly. He's going to be expensive in a lot of other fights. He's going to be a big favorite in a lot of other fights when he keeps putting out performances like this. But these two fights in a row, we've seen him hurt badly. Badly, badly. He came back in this one. But hey, let's say someone else just backs up and keeps striking it up. What happens to Burgos there? Not not trying to take anything away from it, but I'm just, you know, got to take the, the full fight. And 
He was flat out. He was almost Chris Weidman in there. <laughs> he wasn't that bad, but it was close. It, yeah, you're right. He was um, He was almost Chris Weidman, but could you, instead of taking away from Burgos, could you give credit to Hollaball and the totally. wherewithal of Burgos getting hurt so badly and then still having the patience and to calm down, get it together, pull off a nice submission. It oh, was, agreed. It was, I like both guys. I like both forward. guys. I agree. I don't think there's I don't a count either in this fight. out. And going back to the first fight, I'm done with both those guys as well. That's what we're I'm saying. I'm done with seaweed. You gotta feed both of them. I'm done with They're seaweed. They're going on. This is just it's so. But it's the but it's heavyweight. I was about to say, but it's a heavyweight. So <laughs> you could be freaking. Oh, we'll get there. You could be cannoneer in the heavyweight division. Well, freaking unreal, unreal. Then we go. How dare you? To the 155ers, Matt Frivola against Lando Venata. Fight of the year potential in this fight. I mean, if you want a back and forth battle, the bean here on Venata saying that this was going to be way closer than it was because Kelleher fell out. I had to switch a couple of my cards out because I had Brian on too many. I replaced him with Frivola. Frivola saved himself by the skin of his teeth. That guy was all sorts of almost knocked out. Came back, had highlights of his own in there, but... um. Lando Venata is a Josh Thompson, Bobby Green type of a fighter to be. He fights to the potential of his opponent and will always be in a split Here's a perfect segue. Would you kind of say he's kind of like a cowboy type fighter? No, I'd say cowboy pulls the trigger just a bit more. And wow. he's, at, he's with cowboy now at yeah. BMF Ranch, Lando Venata. What I think happens is he... He will always just be like, oh, you want to fight that style? Okay, I'll fight that. And then he'll keep at pace with you instead of doing what he needs to. Very hittable is Lando Venata. Um, has tons of power. Or does he? I mean, he hurt Frivola how many? Three, four times in there? Hard? I think he has power. In my opinion, it's testament to how great both guys is. And true. I, in the true, future, true. watching Frivola go forward, I think he is going to be a sneaky underdog in a lot of fights going forward. And Lando Venata, I also, he's going to end up with a shit record, but the UFC would be stupid to cut him because we were talking about it right before this fight. And I think I said it about this fight. Or is Frivola going to be another one of those guys that were like, he's a monster going forward? Totally. I remember you saying that. And he looked all sorts of good in there. That was such a fun fight. Yeah, if you put Frivola on your card, I didn't put him anywhere. I don't know what the points were, but that could have been a great... Because I do think they were a little bit away from each other. They were. Frivola was definitely the much bigger underdog overall in there. And it was Frivola... Oh, why we'll get it later. <laughs> yeah, I'll find it. Um, the one thing I will also say is Venata, I do think he was favorited in that for sure. So for Vola, if you had him on your card, though, it was the better play probably, even though, I mean, because it ended in a draw, so neither. 51 points for the 7-3 fighter, 7,300 on DraftKings. Yeah. He was definitely low-owned on a lot of spots, and uh, it was only that Kelleher. It was because of that Kelleher play that... That didn't end up working out. Another reason to follow yeah, us. Yeah, I went heavy Venata, uh, or I didn't go heavy on my cards. Venata, he was just a little too pricey for me, but I didn't go for Vola at all. So what a great play if you did it! Sneaky guys moving forward, big on both of them. 
And I switched some. And so if you followed us on Twitter at Lesbo and the Bean, um, we put out our cards. So you could have done parlays with those throughout the night and take them where we agreed on things. I think where we agreed, except for the Arce, which we'll get to, I think we did pretty well. I would agree with that. I was cashing out. Because we both a... did 7 to 12. Our cards are totally different. Yep. And we both did 7 to 12. And I wonder, I bet you the ones we agreed on sneaked. Snaked a good DraftKings. There was quite a few underdogs that came through throughout the night, so it was definitely high-stakes MMA in there. Speaking of one of those underdogs, I switched (laughs) to good. That's why I brought it up. Lyman Good at 170 pounds defeated Ben Killaby Saunders. Saunders trying to use those knees that we were talking about. We were saying that clinch, Ben Saunders, also saying... Ben, ben Killeney. <laughs> That's what we were calling him. We were him. calling him that. He was going for it. But I also feel like I said, in that clinch, I think Good can throw an overhand right over the top of that clinch and hurt Killer B because his chin's... And that's what happened. I believe it was an uppercut, but some overhand rights eventually finished it off. Killer B, that chin is gone. I got to fade you from this point out. Good looked amazing in there, but it was against Killer B, guys. So he's going to be highly, highly hyped. He's got tons of power. I got to remember to just pump the brakes on him a little bit. His next fight out. Killer B isn't what he used to be. <laughs> He's not killer what he used to be. Exactly. Um, I think a good thing for Ben Saunders, he, and the UFC will use you as a setup guy if you want him to use you as a setup guy, and this is what's going to happen. Ben Saunders, I'm sorry, and I hyped your train a little bit. <sighs> I think you need to go to EBI and be a jiu-jitsu guy. I think that's your thing. I don't think the UFC necessarily is the route for Ben Saunders. How much more can you take? That's what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. We had TKO round number one. At least I did on good. I had had good everywhere. I was able to pay up for him because I was playing... DraftKings-wise, some lower-stakes players, uh, not necessarily on my card picks, but it was one of those wager-gager situations and good paid off over that 100 mark. Anything left with either one of those guys? I'm good. On to (laughs) a big underdog coming through. Shaman Marias defeating Julio Arce via third-round decision. Arce hanging on by a limb, being the other Saralongo guy in there. Arce could have been knocked out a few times. Marias in that first and second round could have 10 aided it. Held on to that third round. Arce's grit and tenacity kept him in live in that fight. And Marias' gas tank really started to show. But um, Marias take down the fence, getting sneakily better, better. I like both of these guys moving forward. This was another great fight of the night. Very unique, different stylistic matchups. And Arce's got... Heart. Heart. There's a lot of guys that would have quit. This was the blood fight. This was one of the bloodiest fights, supposedly, of all time. Sherman yeah. Marais cutting him up with elbows, throwing elbows all fight long. Joe Rogan was taking pictures of the mat because it was the bloodiest fight he had ever seen. And, yeah, I believe Anik and Felder and Rogan are like, look at my shirt, look at my phone, look at the camera, blood everywhere. It was madness. There will be blood. (laughs) They were calling for a stoppage due to lightheadedness. It was like the shining in the elevator. Happy Halloween. (laughs) 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 
<laughs> True. <laughs> but yeah, I Arce did not end up great for the prize. It Agreed. Was, it was a trick. It was not a treat. It was not. If you went with Marais, um, which... Uh, I feel yeah. like I said stay away from a lot of this fight. I had Arce on like two or three cards. Marais almost nowhere. Marais was really worth the points if you picked him. I didn't. Where it paid off for me was that I didn't play this fight much at all, so it didn't end up hurting me either way. I like both of these fighters again moving forward. This bit me in the arse. <laughs> <laughs> totally. totally. I played arse on way too many cards. Wait, I don't even know why, too. I don't know him. This is the fight that I live and learn, and I stick with what I know, because what do I really know? Totally. I look like a horse's arse. <laughs> <laughs> the one that did make me feel a little bit arse was Sijara Eubanks against Roxanne Monteferi at 125 pounds. This was a former... Did both of us switch to contender? Eubanks before the fight started? Yes, but this was the wager-gager type of a play for us with Monteferi. I think I had Monteferi decision I on had the podcast. decision as well. After she missed weight... And stopped cutting in. Sajara Eubanks did the, uh, oh, oh well, oh well. The upper arms. I was, I was like, on my beard. Uh-huh. I was like, she didn't kill herself. This is one of those 80% of fighters who don't make Sajara, weight are winning. Way to be a feminist. I was on my beard. Like, come on. Get out of here, lady. Come on. DraftKings-wise, this was the one I played a lot. I had Montefiore in 80% of my lineups. I actually switched her off of like 90 to 95 because I just thought it would go to decision. It ended up getting there. Monteferi only scored 22 on DraftKings. 22 points. But it allowed me to get those 9-5, 9-6 type of fighters. Whereas Sajara only got 80-something and she was over 9,000. So that wasn't great either. Agreed. I thought I saw my... I cashed in... This fight, um, I like Marais going forward more than Arce. Just by the way, yeah, I, agree I really with that. loved everything I saw out of him. I was for just... me, other than the gas tank, Marais's gas tank was a little bit sketchy, and that plays perfectly into this fight with Eubanks as well. She missed weight on her period, but in that third round, Montefiore was putting a pace on her first or second round, but Montefiore succumbed to that pace a little bit as well. So Jar- Sarge, though, moving to that one strike combination type of third round stuff, stuff we don't like to see against the bullet that ain't going to save you. Against the bullet you're going to get eaten alive in that third, fourth, and fifth round. Did you see your favorite fighter Jessica I was already talking shit to Eubanks online? I hate myself for this. I got I in that fight from what I saw. But Jessica I has a fight coming up next week or not, I'm sorry, UFC 231. Okay. Uh, against Chukagian. Choo choo. That's Chukagian a fun one. Chukagian in that. Style, styles make fights. And I'm going to say that Chukagian. I have to look at the takedown defense. And if Chukagian has subpar takedown defense, which I think she does, like I have I. If not, I have a decision, Chukagian. But I think I beat Eubanks. Because both of Chukagian and I have better cardio than Eubanks. And wouldn't you say I also has a lot better, um, a lot more power. I didn't actually think Montefiore had bad strikes. I was a little more, I thought it 
it it touched my heart a little bit because I thought Roxanne actually looked better than she did in their first fight. I agree with that. And I was expecting that as well. Because if there's anything, as we were saying, Montefiore's fight IQ, she's a nerd. So she doesn't come in with the physical stuff. She gets a game plan together. She kept the pace on her. Unfortunately for Montefiore, she ate a bunch of big shots. It did weaken her gas tank. And uh, she just couldn't, she couldn't also pull the trigger in that third round. Roxanne Montefiore, the other funny thing about her is she seems to have a big fan base. Huge. Did you notice? Yes. Like, but it's it's the nerds in like Comic Con, Dragon Con people, like all the cosplay. She's huge in the cos- cosplay world, on all the video games and stuff world. That's really cute. Do yeah. you think that they um, people get her and believe it's she's really being authentic, and that's the biggest thing. It doesn't matter if it's what it is. If you're a prick or a good person or a peaceful warrior or a happy warrior or whatever. It just has to She's be authentic. Genuine. She's yeah. genuine. I would agree with that. And it's so genuine that she touches everybody your heart. knows. Well, athletically, she's not a fighter that you're like, oh, no. she can bench press. Oh, she can squat. She doesn't do it. She has very herky-jerky striking. And she uses her will. I think she has the best up kicks in the game. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I saw her do that was really in this fight. Put her in danger. Yeah, where I was like, damn, that was a good up <laughs> Anyways. So, I still forward. like her. I like, I want to see her going forward in the 125. Uh, I'm wondering if Sajara would be better at 135. I'd agree with that. I'm going to be hesitant due to this habitual weight missing. She hasn't made weight two fights in a row. High-level supposed fights as well on contract, so Montefiore, I'm gonna pr- I've always tried to fade her. <clears throat> I like that will in that heart. She's a little long in the tooth now for the sport. Eubanks, she's one of those Oliveira type of fighters. She's one of these people that I don't think, I think against a tough opponent, she breaks in there, and it's not easier fights for her coming down the way. Especially with weight cutting issues, there's just a lot of red flags. No, I, I even think I was picturing like uh, if Jessica I or if Chukagian win, either one. Um, both of them are like, you don't want to call out JJ and you sure as shit don't want to call out Shevchenko. So you only want to call out each other because I think in this division, that would be, that's your only, that's your next fight. So whoever right. wins gets Eubanks of that next fight in this right. division. We'll see Eubanks going forward. She's got to take this shit seriously, but this is my hopes for her. She actually made a little chunk of money on this fight that she gets to whatever needs to flip for it to be full-time for her, get, maybe get the meal she needs, maybe get the trainer she needs, like all the ex- that next-level expense, maybe that happens Chunk of money? She gives up 20 to 30% to Montefiore, and she also... Um... Is on the undercard. Like, she lost. But this was a short-notice fight for both women for all intents true, and purposes. True, 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 And it was in MSG, New York City. A lot of eyes on him unexpectedly. Maybe they, let's say they both pocket 30 grand unexpectedly quick at the end of the year. That might not be a really bad thing. But it also tells me, and it's questionable, the UFC has to offer every fighter a certain amount of fights um, every year to be able to keep their contract. Are they rushing these women on, like in because they liked them enough to want to keep their contracts before the end of the year? 
Like, it Man. Could, and that could be why they offered her the Shevchenko fight, too. Maybe they were, they're tying in. I think they were just looking for a fight. It. I think they were just looking for a fight more than, there than anything. Looking for a fight. We should fucking market that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> On to 145 pounds, we had Jordan Rinaldi, big underdog, coming in against Jason Knight in a three-round three decision. Jason Knight on a four-fight losing streak really couldn't get much going because the takedowns were there for Rinaldi. I believe you talked me into purchasing Rinaldi on a few of my DraftKings cards. And he worked out. I do believe it was that Kelleher also falling out. I switched between... um. As I was saying earlier, Rinaldi and... Ah, who was the other guy? No, it wasn't Marais. Frivola. Those are the, the, the guys that I switched to more. Rinaldi looked great in there. Jason Knight's crafty on the ground, using a lot of that mission control. Not necessarily tent planet stuff, but very crafty off of his back. He got shut down everywhere. I think Florida Jiu-Jitsu might be garbage. Ooh! That killer bee, that Jason Knight. Jason Knight went to... It sounds like he was fighting out of Mississippi, or is that where he's from now? Or did he move there to go to camps? The other thing, at one point, Jason in the corner says to his corner, I think it was between the second round, he's really good on the ground. And his corner's like, you're really good on the ground too, but let's try to stay standing. <laughs> like, jeez. Yep. I don't want to get high on Rinaldi, and I don't want to be a Knight hater. I don't love Jason Knight. I think he just is, he gets way too emotional in there. And then he just doesn't think, keeps going forward, takes too many to give one. Uh, I don't love Jason Knight going forward in this division at all. I would like to see him maybe go up 10 pounds and see what we get out of him then. But I just think he's too emotional. He needs... We, I, there's another fighter, uh, Lando Venata. He's he's working with a sports psychiatrist. I think that uh, Jason Knight needs that. Would benefit from that potentially? Yeah. I don't know if I love Rinaldi going forward. I liked his skill set, but I just think Jason Knight is overhyped. So I don't want to get high on Rinaldi yet. I like Rinaldi's gas tank in here. I liked his positioning. First time he's went down to 145 pounds, made it well, looked humongous in there. I like Rinaldi moving forward. I very well rounded. Yeah, exactly. Very, he's he's he hits all the marks everywhere. I just don't. Young guy. Wanna... Both are young guys, so. But I agree with you on Jason Knight. I mean, it's rare that there's guys on four or five losing streaks that stick around. I don't care what division, two hundred five or two sixty five. It doesn't matter. So. That being said. Jason Knight always makes for an exciting Agreed. fight. So if if he were up for a contract decision and I was the UFC and had to make the decision, I'd keep Jason Knight on my roster. I would agree with that. And I think that you might have something where Jason Knight might say, hey, UFC, let me fight at 155. Short notice. I just notice. want to see that. I, it's like I'm starting to wonder if guys become a little, ugh. I, I'm, I'm starting to just wonder. Let's move up and just look at you there. Right. Let's take see what a, we get take there. Take a little glimpsey. Andy's a guy that we watched really young, and we're starting to see him age a little bit into that next tier that maybe it's a little harder for his body to make that weight. Not that he had any problems with it or anything. Just saying. On to the pay-per-view. If you're listening to Lappy, you played big on Israel Adesanya. A lot of people did Oh, I thought well. you were going to say if you're listening to Lappy, make sure you like and subscribe. <laughs> tell a friend. Tell your mama. Tell somebody. Five star wherever you can. Even a four. 
Editing it out, just shoot us a tweet. (laughs) 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 But you definitely got a good call with Israel Adesanya. Derek Brunson keeps his head up. A lot of people said that wrestling was going to come through. I was hoping he was going to use it. Derek Brunson tried to use it. I might have had Derek Brunson on the podcast, but I switched to Adesanya before the... Derek Brunson tried to go to his wrestling, and Israel Adesanya... I might even had Jason Knight on the podcast. Right. I had Jason Knight on the podcast decision. I don't remember anything anymore. Oh, okay. But I do think it was going to be closer. I did think that. I don't know if it was was Stylebender or if it was Bruce Buffer's jacket, but I am trippy. Woo! So Stylebender defended four takedowns in a row from Brunson, and you just saw the quid in it. You saw Brunson trying to do whatever he could to get the fight to the ground, pulling on the shorts. Stylebender actually saying, You did it twice! You did it twice! Herb Dean in there, the black iguana himself, had to break it up and be like, hey, I'm going to have to take a point. It was a fun, fun fight, but it was a showcase fight for Israel Adesanya. I mean, he has arrived. Tavares, that was a decision fight. That was a tough fight. I thought it was stylistically set up for Brunson to lose because he is the one who runs forward against a really, really good striker. But Brunson wasn't even running that forward. It was just... He got outclassed in there. He was, I mean, he looked like a ragdoll. Adesanya's fight IQ was so high level, he never jumped on Brunson. Every time he heard him, he stepped back. He finally landed that knee after the fourth, fifth takedown in a row. Landed that knee, which started the end, and uh, Adesanya landed a good 15 extra shots. Just knocking him down, letting him get up. And Herb Dean in there, this was one of those that, for me, could have been called way earlier my DK liked it that it wasn't because, again, it gave me 16 more shots that didn't need to be there. But 126 on DraftKings, I had Adesanya on 90% of my cards. I took him off two just in case Brunson landed that right. And I did put Brunson on one, same with Derek Lewis, my throwaway card, my just-in-case card. So Derek Brunson, for the first time in a long time, everyone in America, and so we're guessing his camp's telling him the same thing, everyone in the world is saying... Uh, just use your wrestling. Just use your wrestling. And we saw that. We saw a Derek Brunson go in there and strictly use his wrestling. And it didn't matter. Yep. It didn't matter. So it says to me, Derek Brunson, get on out of there. No way. He stays in the UFC. How many times? What's his losing record? But it's against freaking Anderson Silva. He's on a, what, two-fight losing streak, one-fight losing streak? Let me look that up. Derek Brunson is still UFC caliber. <laughs> he finishes a lot of guys. He's on a, a two-fight losing streak against Sousa Adesanya. Not bad at all. Not bad at all. He had a two-fight winning streak prior to that. I'm not going to say who it was, but before not that... Not bad. I'm hating on Brunson. Yeah, he stays in the UFC. He got outclassed in this fight. I don't know. But he beat to Tavares. I don't know. I don't know. I think anyone who, anyone, I I don't know how much damage he can take anymore. I think he's that kind of where it's devastatingly gone. Like whatever the knockouts have been. He went lit baby a few times. That's what I mean. Whatever the knockouts have been, it's so much damage. And okay, here's what I should say. If he were my husband, I'd be like, you're not fighting anymore. This isn't good for you. Or you're taking 
16 months or you're taking this amount of time like if you're gonna fight again you're taking a very long time when your life when you've made your money life when you're like but i'm getting paid because they're yeah tell that to like muhammad ali I think, or like, I, I just think the TBI, I just, Ooh. devastatingly very but that's short. that's why you're not in the Women's League challenging Cyborg, because you did. <laughs> that's why, you, like, you made different life choices than the, the fighters. Like, they were like, I know, some of them do understand the consequences. And you know what? Fight, a lot of fighters don't take the kind of damage Brunson's taken. I'm not putting down do. all fighters. There's some on the undercard that never make it to the UFC that are punchy before they ever get there. It's nuts. Exactly. That's it's not good nuts. life choices. Yeah, they shouldn't have been better. fighters. They should have been welders or plumbers or something else. Like, that's not good life choices if you're punchy before you get there and then you maybe you get one loss in the UFC. That ain't good life choices. I agree. Speaking of not good life choices, taking it away from but the card a little bit. A good life choice? Adesanya? Is he the real deal? Is he the real deal? Or, back to what I'm saying, or is Brunson just... Low level. Punchy. Uh, I just yeah. mean it's his glass jaw. We were talking about somebody earlier on the fight card tonight that is amazing, but they just are ben glass Saunders. jaws. Ben Saunders, great guy. He just can't. It's yep. some of the guys. Once it he needs all once the tools it shatters, it never gets back together anymore. And that's where I just feel Brunson's at. I just once it shatters, I don't know. I think it, at one eighty five specifically, because there's fights. Leota Machida. In my opinion, shouldn't be fighting anymore. The only reason it's he's going to do some good fights right. is he's all teed up. Maybe Brunson, if he can get some teed up, he needs to go into an organization that allows to have him chemicals in his body. But Adesanya, I'm nervous still. Everybody else is super high on him. They're calling him John Jones and Conor McGregor had a baby. John no Jones way. and Conor McGregor no had a baby. Way. You didn't he feel like own... Dana White was like, have you, oh, I yeah, love this he kid. was, yes, he was, I love oh, this kid. He just his pants at the press conference about yeah. Israel Adesanya. For sure, everybody's seeing it now. Hey, there's a fun match, I don't care who it is. Throw Adesanya in there against anyone, I'm willing to see it because he isn't that, any top 10 guy though. He's not fighting people outside of the top 10 anymore. No way, I, my opinion, Anderson Silva will be his next fight. And if I'm the UFC, Ooh. I put Adesanya versus Anderson Silva, just because Anderson's the oldest, and you don't know yeah. how many more he has. Um, I put him against Anderson because I don't know. Did he pop or not? He says he didn't pop, or did he? He's done with his thing. Silva? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He already he already did his time. He's done. Uh, so I put him up against Anderson Silva first, and then maybe Chris Weidman. And I put my oldest guys so he can start eating their names up. Yeah, so I can build a, a John Jones. I think he is a good-looking kid. I think he is well-spoken. He says all the right things. He seems smart AF. And something different than Brunson a little bit. And not that Brunson doesn't have a ton of wins, but he, he just has more brutal fights. So far with Israel Adesanya, if you watch him, he isn't taking a ton of damage. Agreed. He's not Mary getting... defensively sound. Yeah, right he's there. not in these yeah. uh, Lando Venata brawls. Oh. But even so with Lando Venata brawls, Lando Venata's brain and Derek Brunson's brain, even though they're in different weight classes, thinking the amount of force they're taking differently. Well, force trauma. Yes. Totally. Good point. Good point. That 185 is where it gets, like, you're watching just two dump trucks run into each other. That's where it gets They're next. They're at 170. T1. I think that's scary, but I the 185 is where most of Everybody the 180 fighters power. could yeah. all fight in the heavyweight. heavyweight. If they, yeah. 
Cannon ear. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Just an out of shape freaking 185er with tons of power. So I totally agree. We love what we're seeing here. I think Brunson fast fights left. You know, there's money to be made. You're listening in for Where's all Brunson the right reasons. I, again, I think he fights any of these older guys without bigger <laughs> names. He already beat the Ed Hermans, but there's other 85ers that can use, that still use Brunson off a of stepping stone. Has Brunson fought like a? Who's there's a fir- who's the first fight that Elias Thurdoa is fight? He's the first fight I think on one thirty one. He's fighting somebody. Uh, I can't think of it off the top of my head right now. Yeah, I'll have to look it up. But so yeah, it's a fun one. Talking about brain damage at one hundred and eighty five pounds, Carl Robertson defeating Jack Marshman in a third round decision. Jack Marshman is a Michael Bisbing. Jack Marshmallow Man? Yeah, Marshmallow <laughs> is right. What is he doing at this weight he class? He is made of Gumby, uh, like Marshmallow and Fluff, because he took humongous shots, kept walking forward, tough as nails, Marshman. He's not making any climb for the belt, and I don't think Robertson is either. He is a physical specimen in there, but um, there's holes in Robertson's game. Again, the commentator saying his foot's hurt. You're a soothsayer. Freaking who's his face? The ginger ninja. Freaking Irish dragon. Paul Felder is like, oh, his foot. Then Joe Rogan and Anik are like, his foot's hurt. And then in the commentary, he's like, oh, yeah, my right knee is busted. So you were looking at the wrong leg the entire time. Just <laughs> interesting. Um, I don't know if Robertson is necessarily UFC material. So, with that, it, the fight doesn't do look so good to me. Do you think Robertson could beat Brunson? I got Brunson in that fight. Do you think, um, do you have Brunson against Marshman? Yes, easy. Well, there's two fights that you That's what I'm there, saying, there You is. just proved your point. There it is. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for setting hey. up. There yep. it is. Hey. But where do you, I don't. I'm, I'm not, not wrong, I'm wrong. <laughs> I'm not confident in Robertson moving forward just because I'm not that high on Marshman as well. Marshman just shows us that he's a good punching bag in there. I think Marshman has no business being at 185, and I think you said it while we were watching the fight. He can move down to 155. (laughs) (laughs) You were like, what is he doing? Because there was another fighter we were talking, yep. we talk about tonight that he walks around at one eighty five, and you said he cuts to one forty five. Ronaldo just made his first weigh in at one forty five, fought at fifty five his whole career, and is just like, oh my nutrition, I walk around at like one eighty five. Joe Rogan in his post fight, and like you're telling Joe Rogan, I walk around at one eighty five, and his body, I'm guarantee you, doesn't look like Marshman's. Yeah, right. He's at when he's at one eighty five. I feel like Marshman has some. That to get rid of. Anyway. So. I don't want to pick apart his body, but good griefy. It just looked, it looked like the exact same as Cannoneer's body. And that's where we don't have to go too much more forward with Robertson and Marshman, right? No, On to Jared Cannoneer defeating David Branch, TKO round number two. Cannoneer started out of the Alaska scene, working TSA at heavyweight. Part-time, being a fighter, came into the UFC part-time, moved the MMA lab, moved down to 205, had some split decision win and losses in there, but he came in against Glover Teixeira when he was still top five fighter. Not anymore, but back then, that that was the only competition for John Jones. So, Cannonier 
at the MMA lab, full-time fighter now, full-time nutritionist. An imposter was in there. Give me two pictures side by side and they do not look like the same person at all. Cannonier is 185 pounds shredded. He came in two pounds underweight for 185 pounds. On short notice, On two short weeks. Notice. Two he weeks, said he made the weight easy. Two pounds under. Because he said, I'm taking this for reals and I got my nutrition. But the MMA lab is a scene that is coming up with fighters, getting them optimally. I believe Rinaldi might be at the MMA lab as well. I could be wrong on that. When you were looking at his body on the scale, I did not see Cannoneer at weigh-ins. Like, I don't remember even paying attention. I, I saw him walk away. On he the, thought he was a 45 The official weigh-ins. But I was wondering, could he make 170? I don't know. Just because it's unreal? I guess Yancy Maderos did it. He went from heavyweight down to 155. Yancy Maderos did that. But Yancy, yeah. But Yancy looks skilly, gangly. You wouldn't think of it. But he was just a Hawaiian bra who got in shape and decided to hang out with the Diaz brothers, went vegan for a couple years, and then finally got back to me after he lost all the weight. I can't believe Jerry Cannonier was the same. I think you're so right on it. Hair, he had like tight little fro, yeah. sexy little body. But that is exactly what I'm saying about Marshman. Hey. Marshman looks like that's what he'd look like. Let me conspiracy. Jared Cannonier, the real Cannoneers and witness protection, that's actually undercover cop. For the golden snitch, they're trying to find the USADA dopers. They're like, oh, yeah, it's your kid here, 185. <laughs> it's, yep. it's an undercover um, mob guy uh, that's hiding out after the Whitey Bulger murder. But that's a different <laughs> podcast. Definitely a different <laughs> podcast. <laughs> okay. I was saying, like, I think David Branch is one of the most underrated fighters in the UFC, blah, blah, blah. Do you think he's still underrated? Or, like, is everyone going to blow up Cannoneer and maybe David Branch is done? Or is, like, this a weird teeter-totter? Was I saying we always got to worry about David Branch's chin? That's the thing that has always been an issue. He's a double champ, has all the skills, jiu-jitsu on the ground. Um, It's all about that chin. And he tapped due to strikes a little while ago as well, just to not take damage because he knew he was done. But, I mean, Cannoneer... Smoked him in there. And did everyone say Cannoneer has this perfect right hand and that's exactly what he caught him with? Cannoneer has thrown that piston of a right hand since heavyweight and it's knocked heavyweights out. And is Souza a southpaw or is he, uh, or like is he... Souza is a orthodox fighter, I believe. So I was trying to make an excuse for David Branch, like maybe he wasn't training for an Orthodox fighter, but I think David, I think Cannoneer's an Orthodox fighter as well. Yes, he is. And I know Cannoneer is. Was David Branch training for a ground game a little bit? Like it is a whole different fight than Souza. I would agree with that. It is. It's a very, very different fight, but it's David Branch's chin. Because Branch is in the Ben Saunders for me. Type of area. So now. you don't want to get high on Cannoneer is what you are uh, saying. 100%. He does look good, but Branch has had a suspect chin for a while. Cannoneer has that type of power. But Cannoneer looked good everywhere as well. His wrestling was on point. His everything. It was not a flash knockout by any I means. I was worried about his wrestling. He got taken down, taken down, taken down. But I thought he still was against David Branch, who is a... Gracie black belt for a long time. Brain should have done a lot more than he did on the Terry ground. Terry Cannonier looked good everywhere. That he, was a little nerve-wracking. It was a little nerve-wracking. Weird, weird, weird. 
So, where do we go with Branch? I think Ben Saunders type of any big puncher other than Tiago Silva. Branch is suspect in against Cannonier. I'm hesitant, but I like what I saw from him. David, this is what Dana White said at the press conference that I wanted to really melt out of my chair. <laughs> when they said put Cannonier in there, I was like, oh, I don't know if that's a good idea. Let's not feed him to a wrestler. That's not good yep. for his style. That's what I was thinking and I'm too. like, since when in the fuck does Dana White give a shit about feeding guys to people? <laughs> True. Seriously. Like, oh, Cannoneer's the career you're trying to protect? Give me a friggin' break. That was a weird thing that I heard him say at the post-fight presser. Interesting. Staying in the 185-pound division a bit, off-topic, a little on the dark side with all this TBI. I don't know why it crossed my mind when we were talking about it a second ago. Did you happen to watch that unfortunate footage of Stefan Bonner being hogtied by the civilians and then arrested by the state trooper? For his third no. DUI. Uh, TBI, bad choices, short-term, like impulse control. 1.20 p.m., Stephen Bonner was stopped by a caravan of motorists who recklessly saw him driving down the road. I saw his mugshot, though, and oh, he got them guy. crazy ass. He got them crazy ass. He got that CE. I don't know about yeah. too much. I'm not a I'm not a scientist or a doctor about the CTE, but I know about that CE. He... Them crazy ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Unfortunately for him, he's been in some of the most brutal fights of all time. That's some of his Ugh. career for being on the losing end. Is it before my time? It is. Okay. It is Forrest Griffin, Stephen Bonner. Yeah, I don't know. I never knew. UFC I never one watched or when tough Forrest one. Griffin was good. Oh, yeah. He, no. Or I never watched he Forrest Griffin. I don't know if he was necessarily good because he is always the loser of the biggest fights. Like, he always was the one who got finished in the big fights. He's always second fiddle, unfortunately for him. Dum, popped dum, one of the dum, first guys that popped up back in the dum, day. Dum, dum, <laughs> then we go to the co-main event where we had a crocodile, Jacques himself, get a full meal in there. People had it one and one going into the third round. The Bean himself had Souza in there losing both rounds. I had Weidman winning this via decision and the alligator snapped up another victim in the third round. I think you're right by saying Wyman was winning going into the moment that he was because I I did have Souza winning around, but I had Chris Weidman if that third round Chris yeah. Weidman was winning that round up until that moment, so that would have been giving him two rounds to one. Right. So I think kind of both sides are right. <laughs> Souza did have a round, but I still felt like Chris Weidman was about to take that fight. So, actually, what worked out for me on DraftKings, I don't know if I really went on this hard on the podcast, but Souza, value-wise, was a guy that I also leaned on. Weidman was the slight favorite there, and he was a bit bit higher, where Souza, 7,000, always has that submission ability, and I thought maybe on the ground, that's where Souza was going to go out. By no means whatsoever did I believe Souza was going to come out with the head movement and punch combinations he was. Because if anything, I was saying Souza gets the one and two punch combinations in the third round. His gas tank, amazing this fight. Was he broke his nose in the first round? Weidman was throwing that beautiful Mm -hmm. jab. It was landing a lot less than it usually does because Jacques head movement was so on point. So, so on point. 
ducking and moving in that third round. I mean, seven-punch combination set up that third punch, three-punch combination that finally flattened Chris Weidman. How do you think Mergoliata did in this one? Did you think you wanted to see a dead man in there? Do you think it was an early stoppage? I was okay with it, even though I had Weidman decision in this fight. I felt like it should have been stopped. Totally. In a, if if Jacare has enough time to make eye contact with you, point to the guy on the ground, tap you on the shoulder and say, come on, tap to the guy on the ground and be like, you can't make me hit him anymore. And you say, keep hitting him. If all that happened and Chris Weidman hasn't taken him down, looked up, punched back, he obviously has no fucking clue where he is it was one of it was for when people keep saying oh that's a knockout of the night or a knockout of the year or a knockout that was like a knockout of all time that knockout was i thought chris wyman broke his neck when he fell against the ring i had to watch it a few that was flush on the temple eye temple forehead chris wyman has some of the most brutal knockouts in us Romero, that knee that knee oh I mean, I guess Brunson could have more fights because I want to see Chris Weidman fight again. Is this a fight of the year c- contender as well? Because Sorry a lot for of people, Brunson, everyone, please don't send me any hate mail. <laughs> also, a fight, yeah, definitely. Um, but is this a fight of the night contender for fight of the year as well? Because for me, it had everything you needed in an upset victory where close fight. It's, not, I had Weidman winning both of those rounds, but it was twenty nine. Or it was 10-9 rounds. Jacare was in that fight. I'm not saying... I, I thought Jacare had to finish in the third round, and he did. But that just makes it for that type of a fight. It was fantastic. Oh, it was a great fight. It was a great fight. I ended up switching, if you follow yeah. us at Lesbo and the Bean Everywhere, to Suza KO round three. Wow. Um, great It pick. was one of the... I just... Once I watched the embeddeds, and I watched the face-offs, and the stare... I just... Felt like it was a different Jacare Souza in there. When he came out and I saw, oh, his head's clean shave again. He doesn't have that weird trifling balding hair coming in that it looks like he has piss poorly glued on his head. I was like, oh, the gator's back. Oh, okay. And it was easy for me to make the switch. I felt like Weidman does not fight good at home. It was the or it's the win one lose one one one. So next time he'll be on the win one. If it's against Brunson, I got I got Weidman. That's a good point. That's a perfect fight to put up for Weidman so he can win at home. And Brunson doesn't look bad off of a Weidman loss regardless. Well, yeah, I don't. I Same don't, without Asanya. I don't think that looks bad for Brunson later on. I think the second fight for. They keep saying uh, Adesanya Rockhold, Adesanya Rockhold. But I think Luke Rockhold, move up to 205, homie, or even heavyweight. Get out of that 185 division. That Ben Saunders chinny. I feel the exact same way about Weidman, to be honest. Get out of the 185 division. Great call. I totally agree. I totally agree. Brunson. Brunson. Everybody, let's walk on up. <laughs> let's walk on up. We can make an exciting division. The 205 is weak as hell, and the 265 is even weaker. Everybody, take a step up. 
But that's what Askren said one, one did. They made everybody go up 10 pounds and gave him the belt for the 10 pounds heavier belt or something I like love the it. in between. I'm totally fucking not part of that. But when he was on Joe Rogan on the interview, it was part of the... Right, 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 right. Souza going forward. The thing you were saying about his head movement, that is almost directly... The one thing you can say about Wyden's boxing is... Kevin Gastelum has killer boxing, and he was just fighting Kevin Gastelum and got pieced apart a little bit. Do you think that is a direct, like, he fought this guy with good boxing, and he's like, I just can't go in there and sit there with this Sousa locked neck. He did go in there and was like, I was oh, like, who is this guy? slick. He was, he was back that and forth. Was he was like Janet Jackson and, Rhythm and Nation. <laughs> is this one of those things... He was went to Orlando, did his own camp. It's now a camp where a lot of people were off of Susan. Guys that I listen to saying, like, he's not at ATT. He's doing his own thing. But is it the Stipe Miocic where it's like, no, no, no. Now he has an entire camp worrying about him and him only. Does that benefit him at this yes, point in his career? Yes, and he deserves it at this point in his career. Right, he's old enough. Yes, he is old enough, and he's always for an exciting fight. Um, especially at his age. I like both these guys. I think Jacques Ray can still stay here because whatever, he has one of them weird shaped heads that he can take a little punch still at this. I, that nose is broken though. Cray. That nose is, some time that nose is but he's gonna. He has a Dan Hendo nose for all intents and purposes. It is almost flat though. At that press conference, you could just hear the blood rolling back the back of his throat. He was just, yep. Oh, and then, oh poor guy. But hey, got paid. Yeah, it was a great fight. It was a fun fight. Definitely fight card of the year potential. I mean, there was ton Sneaky. of finishes. Ton of I finishes. I know we're gonna have to run. put together our end of the year soon. We're gonna have oh, to get together. Oh, already categories. we're already there again. We're in November. We still have all those spreadsheets. We're gonna have to put together our best of, but it usually doesn't come out till January because um, right. we have a fight card like oh, Christmas, the New whole, Year's Eve. Yeah, then we're up until Christmas pretty much. So then we get to the main event. You know what everybody thought was going to happen. Highest DraftKings rated fighter. Everyone thought and or knew what was going to happen. Ballers himself. DC Daniel Cormier coming in. And a little trivia fact. This fight almost fell out. Even though this fight stepped in for three other fights falling out. Because of a little sneezy? Because of a little (laughs) 40-year-old sneeze. And it's one of those things where... A lifelong career of athletic sports and wrestling is a very damaging on your body as well, let alone MMA, where a sneeze will put you out of your misery. Like I said... Not just at 40 or MMA. At 30 is when everything starts shifting enough that you could <laughs> sneeze or pick up something wrong or get off the toilet weird or where you're like, I just pulled my back out. Have you ever pulled your back out? No, let's not get crazy. Not, not, not one. Man, never no, happened no, to you, never. my friend. I do my, uh, I do my squats. When I was in high school, it was the first time I pulled no, my back you. out and I did do something that I shouldn't have done. I broke up two of my friends in a fight and one of them was a big girl. And, uh, well, they were both big girls, but one of them was bigger than the other. And that the one that I moved and I pulled my back out and didn't realize it in the hullabaloo of it right. all. And it'll change you. I might've pulled my black, my back out. You one, like two, sit two, on two. the potty and yeah. then you're like, it's like not I can't a chair. Sh- I can't stand up. It's yeah. You're yeah. like, Oh my God. I've had, I did that once. And it I got like squashed a, in a, a crank. Nine days. 
to oh, come yeah. back. They wanted they wanted to give me a shot in my oh. back to loosen it up, and I was like, I'm just gonna keep stretching, but I couldn't sit up or down. But you pull your back out. Ooh. And then you got to go fight happen. the Black Beast and lift up the Black Beast and do a single leg on single the Black leg, Beast. Takedowns. If you're listening to Lab B, you know the Bean likes to put some money on the main event. It's usually where I have my biggest grasp on. I had DC, round number two, TKO. I thought it was going to be ground and pound, giving a little credit to the Black Beast. But I thought DC was going to use a good game plan and just wear him out that first round. Finally finish it. Didn't see the submission coming all that much, but... The round number two plus 300 bet ended up being profitable. I feel like it's been a few weeks in a row now that I've been hitting. Well, I um, do really all right at the main event, but I had Cormier's submission just round three. I was giving Derek Lewis a little more like he took so much shit from. Do you think it happened sooner because he just got went through a body beating in the last fight or this would have happened regardless? I think this would have happened regardless, but it was just a paycheck for either fighter. Daniel Cormier said it himself. So the Black Beast, I mean, they they all know. These guys fought almost a month ago. It's unreal that they're headlining. All tribute to them. All tribute to the undercard. One of the fight cards of the year on one of the sketchiest main events we've had all year long. It was supposed to be Poirier. Diaz, it ended up being Shevchenko, Eubanks, then everything, everything in between. Everything. It turned out, though. I mean, it came up. I'm happy for Daniel Cormier. Take some time off. Who do you think he has next here? Uh, DC, definitely take some time off. They're trying to create heat between him and John. Um, I don't think DC needs to go back down for any reason, but he was very excited when they handed him those two belts. He was like, Dana, why you spoil me? And he got both of them. He was so excited. He didn't expect them. I think that's a little of Dana White rubbing it in John Jones' face because I'm sure John Jones told Dana his exact goals one day, and it was before Connor and before DC and all this, including the Brock Lesnar fight. Um, also, do you think there is a setup for DC to take Brock's belt? Do you think it's a setup? And do you think Daniel Cormier is about to make the crossover? Vince McMahon, the wrestling, he's listening. That guy's paying attention. He knows what's up. And Daniel Cormier is setting it up for himself as well. Good for him. I think there's something to that. I I definitely think so. so. I really, really do. If you think back to at Ronda's first two fights, who was fucking in the, or at least one of those first two fights, Uh DC was in the audience. Truth, truth. He's a big wrestling fan. Is then never made any bones about it. He'd any be John perfect. I, if, okay, here's a question. <laughs> if DC goes over uh-huh. to WWE, will you watch WWE? No. <laughs> Me either. But I love. But it I DC. love it more. Good and for him. I'm so glad DC. Everybody's loving DC, and it's that makes me happy. And whatever, both guys got paid. DC's greedy hand didn't get him in trouble. Good thing. Definitely. Hey, was the bean saying that left switch kick was going to come about? He says if Brock's not ready, he'll fight Stipe in a rematch. Good for him. I and love everything about DC. Before, there's a card like a week before his birthday, and DC says his last fight is he has one more fight left. Good for him. He's earned everything. Definitely one of the greatest of all times. The yeah. only hiccup is against one of the greatest of all time. So... 
Nothing to be ashamed about for Daniel Cormier. I wish him the best in all of his next endeavors. We had a fun one. We made yes. tons of money. We got another week coming down the pipeline. UFC Fight Night Denver. We're going to have a 13-card bout. It's going to be the Korean Zombie versus Yair after he fell out against the beat. I mean, out of the UFC. And... The UFZs. <laughs> <laughs> There's some fun fight on that card. Can't Cowboy, wait to break them down. Indian. Perry's on that card. He is. <laughs> Co-main event of the night. We're going to have some uh, racial tension about, you know, those minorities, how they're uppity against the white man. That one in 3% you know minority. What? I have a little... What about if Perry is so intellectual that he's actually just bringing attention to the fact that um, Donald Cerrone calling himself a cowboy is the racist thing? I'll leave it there. <laughs> Make sure you like and subscribe. That's what me! Thanks for listening to Lat B. For all things Lesbo and the Bean, head over to lesboandthebean.com or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.